This is Move to Miami, real estate, lifestyle, family. I'm your host, Adam Zeifer. And I'm your host, Amber Berger. We are Miami natives and the brother-sister duo behind the Zeifer Berger team. We want to take you behind the scenes of different neighborhoods that comprise South Florida's largest real estate boom, especially where we grew up in, Bow Harbor, Bay Harbor Islands, and Surfside. You'll learn the ins and outs of real family life in Miami. From the schools to the parks, the different communities, demand per area, development opportunities, traffic tips, city governance, and more. Today, we're gonna be speaking about the selling process and all the things for you to consider when possibly listing your home or apartment for sale. Yes, so today we're gonna take you through from the initial decisions that you need to make all the way up to hiring your real estate advisor. What is the first thing someone should think about when they want to sell their home? First thing somebody should think about is exactly when they want that sale to close. We have lots of clients that look to purchase or to sell a property before the school year begins. If that is the case, we will always suggest to list it a couple months before that timeline. So COVID, obviously, we're just coming off of the highs in South Florida. You know, things went on the market, there were bidding wars, and they would sometimes be in contract before the day was over. We're sort of entering a different market, which is a little bit slower. Prices have come off the highs. What is an average timeline someone should expect of how long it will take to get their home or apartment sold? So the average timeline tends to be between two months and six months. And the reason why there is a range is depending on the price that you choose to set. We have clients that will choose to go for the top range of the price. So let's say if the average house or apartment is going for uh, 1.5 million, we've had clients that want to list it at $2 million. Once again, it's the client's decision of what they want to set it at. We could only advise them and let them know if you would like to list at $2 million, the comps are showing that your property is worth closer to 1.5 million. Please be ready for a uh, four to six month timeline in order for us to sell your property. Because of course, if there's other properties available at a lower price point, lots of times people will go for the lower priced property. So when speaking about comps, how should somebody even look up comps in their area? So in order to look up comps, one of the things that you could do is if we were talking about a condo, that's very easy. You could look at all the properties that have sold within that condo in the past six months to a year and average them out based on price per square foot. Uh, we always go by price per square foot because it's hard to be able to decide between a three bedroom and a four bedroom or a two bedroom. But once you break it down to price per square foot, you're able to use that number throughout all the units in the building. As for a house, if you're in a neighborhood where there are like-minded houses, where there's a three bedroom house, so the all the lots are pretty much the same size lots, then you're able to go through what are the past properties that have sold. Once again, break it down through price per square foot and then equate it to your own property. Property. Now, a lot of times, how do you find the market where something has been renovated versus not renovated? Is there a discount for something that has not been renovated? So yes, sometimes there's a discount, sometimes there's not. I always joke around with some of our clients that they say, we want a renovated place. I said, okay, fine. It could be brand new, renovated, but if it's not your style, 
you're still gonna have to do the renovations to make it your style. At the end of the day, you have to kind of decide what you want. Do you want a turnkey property or do you want a property where you're gonna put your special touch on? And for the current market and what we've been seeing for the last several months, do you find that something that is not renovated has a better price point to it and is a better opportunity in today's market? Yes. So what we've seen, especially since COVID and now even going to 2023, uh, a lot of people that are moving from out of state coming into Miami, they want something that's turnkey. They don't know people down here. They don't know who the construction crews are. They don't know who the interior designers are. So for them, they're willing to take and pay a little bit of a premium for a finished product rather than getting a discount on a property in order to put their special touch on it. Now, if you were to do a renovation, Miami is sort of an unusual market. How long does it take on average to do a renovation and what is involved in doing a renovation regarding permits and so forth? Rule of thumb is add three months to whatever you hear on a timeline. Lots of times people will say, oh, your renovation is going to take six months. If I hear somebody say that it's going to take six months, I always say, okay, fine, it's going to be nine months to a year. Why is that? Because delays happen because of permitting. In order to get a permit, there could be a delay. There's lots of properties right now that are under construction. So permit office could be backed up. Another reason for the delays could be weather. You know, we are going into hurricane season right now. So during the summer in South Florida is hurricane season. I know lots of people from out of state get scared when they hear that buzzword of hurricane. However, it's a lot better here than in most other places. I know in an earthquake, you have no uh, heads up, you know, at least with a hurricane that you could see it coming and you could get out of dodge if you need to. So one of the reasons why there could be a delay with hurricane season is let's say the power gets knocked out. Let's say, you know, there's flooding. There's a, lots of different reasons. And if there's lightning outside and you're redoing your roof, guess what? They can't work on your roof on that day if there's lightning. So if you're thinking about selling and you think you have some improvements that you want to do to your house, what would be the best time of year to start those improvements? Best time of year would be in the winter time. However, I wouldn't look at it as a best time of year per se. I would look at it as to what improvements need to be done. When we go into a unit, the first things that I look for is the paint. Is all the paint taken care of? Are there scuffs on the wall? If there's scuffs on the wall, I always suggest touching up those uh, areas as well as the AC unit. They should be, all the vents should be nice and clean. If they're white AC units. You should be able to tell that they're white AC <laughs> units. Uh, that's not given in some of these properties. So those are the two main things that I look at. Another simple fixer upper is lighting. If you have light bulbs that are out, change the light bulbs. If you have a chandelier that is dated since the 1980s, get rid of it. You go on Amazon, $150, you can have a nice modern light fixture, light fixture and it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I think there's a lot of small details that can be dealt with when you're a seller and wanting to sell your home and make it presentable. I think everything is about presentation. You can never reverse a first impression. So literally whatever someone sees from the moment they open their door to your house is the impression that is going to be made on a potential buyer. So another thing that we also recommend to our clients is to declutter. A lot of times people have a lot of family photos. They might be hoarders. I would say it's time to sort of clean out the house 
and really get rid of all the knickknacks and keep it clean and simple. And the more clean and simple, the better it will resonate with a potential buyer. That's an excellent point. When a buyer comes into your home, they want to make it seem as if they can envision themselves in your home and that your home is now their home. When you have family pictures all around, it's very hard for somebody to get that feeling of, oh, this could be my home. Uh, One of the first things when we go through a property and we are getting it staged and ready for uh, photography is we remove every personal picture off the walls, off the countertops, and we hide them away. This way it gives a nice, fresh and clean feel. And also another easy add on that you can do is to remove all your pillows from the couch if you have too many pillows and replace them with if they're patterned pillows, remove patterned pillows and replace them with plain pillows. I think that makes a big difference. You don't want a lot of colors and patterns attracting the eye. You want the space to show itself and not to be distracted by the knickknacks. Another thing is say you no longer live in the property that you're thinking about selling or it's an investment property. Do you have to stage a property in order to help it sell? So we actually had a funny situation that happened with one of our last uh, sales. We received a listing that was half furnished. That's <laughs> that's my worst nightmare right there because it's either if there's nothing in there, somebody can envision their furniture If there's full furniture there, at least they can get an idea of the flow of the apartment. When there's half furniture, it uh, is not a good feel for anybody to come into. One of the things I always recommend is if you don't have nice furniture in there or current furniture, if people have furniture from the 1970s, 1980s, even the 1990s, I do request that they either remove their furniture or change it out and get a stager to come in. Uh, We handle a lot of staging for our properties. It really increases the value of the property when it goes to sale. I know I had a personal friend that we assisted uh, purchase a property in Hollywood and this property sold within one day. Now, why did something sell within one day? There was two main reasons. One, the price was right. They priced it to the top of the market. However, they priced it at the right price. Uh, That is key if you want a quick sale. The second thing that they did was they removed out all of their personal belongings and furnished it with staging furniture. Now, this staging furniture nowadays could actually be available for purchase. So if you have a buyer that comes into the house and loves the house, there's nothing personal from the seller in there, and they could really envision their family living in that property. Lots of times they'll say, okay, we want to put in an offer. And not only that, they'll ask about the furniture. Is the furniture included? You know, that is part of the negotiation where either the buyer has the opportunity to buy that furniture or the seller has the opportunity of purchasing the furniture and putting it into the sale uh, in order to get top dollar. One of the things I would highly, highly recommend. So sometimes we deal with people who have emotional attachments to their properties. So maybe bringing in, taking out old furniture, putting in new furniture may feel very hard for them and they are resistant to doing it. What are some other ways digitally that we have worked with our clients and properties in order to showcase the potential of a property? Yes. So nowadays what you're able to do is virtual staging. We've done a number of properties as well, uh, especially the one that was half furnished. And so what they do is uh, the photographer is able to capture the room, digitally input all the different modern furniture in there. And what that does is let's say if you're living in New York and you're looking at properties on Zillow or another third party site, it gives you the idea of what that living room, let's say, 
looks like all furnished rather than having one piece of old furniture in there or completely vacant. Yeah. And it's also kind of an easy trick of, you know, a lot of people have a hard time having a vision. I think they don't easily see a space, even though we do more in the market, we see homes all the time. I think when you virtually stage something utilizing AI, which we use a lot, that really helps to give a person an idea of how they can decorate their home. It goes beyond just the furniture, right? I think it's a one-stop shop of, it's sort of like in a free interior design service in yes, a sense. Absolutely. It really gives them creative ways of figuring out what they could do with a space. Uh, and it's not limited just to inside the property. We did some virtual staging for a pool, actually, that is under construction going into one of our listings. For the Zypher Burger team, we are able to actually virtually stage properties and input pools, input slides, input wherever you could think of, wherever you could want. We have the capabilities of putting that in there. So when somebody's looking at the pictures, they could really envision what that space could look like. Right. And not only just for the inside, we also have utilized AI for the outside of a home. If a home could use some updating externally, we've utilized some 3D printed models where we then showcase that to potential buyers so they can envision what the house can be. And really just even changing the paint color, changing the windows, changing the garage door, those simple things plus landscaping is transformative for property. Oh, it's huge. We just did actually, our client told us that they were going to replace all the windows with impact windows. And they told us right after we already did our photography. So we said, not a problem. We're able to take care of that and show it in our pictures that we already took photography of, of what the impact windows would look like. So speaking about photography, when you're thinking about listing a home, what are some key elements that a potential seller should think about when having their home photographed. So when we do photography on any of our listings, we do a number of things. One thing that we do is we do photography of every aspect of the property. The second thing that we do is we do a video of the property. It's very hard sometimes when you're looking at pictures to envision what the layout of a property is. So a video really helps a buyer understand the property and even get to that point of maybe putting in an offer without seeing it in person. Third thing that we do, it's called Matter Report. That gives a virtual walking tour of the property as well. Again, enhances the buyer's experience to seeing the property. A fourth thing that we do is we do drone shots. What's really good about the drone shots, one, it gives you an idea of what the roof of a house looks like. If you want to see, is there water pooling on top of the house or not? You know, it gives a buyer really good idea of what they're getting. Uh, the second thing is a allows a buyer to see the proximity they are to, let's say, the beach or to the community center or to the downtown area. Drone photography, in our opinion, is extremely important as well. So we love to share some selling hacks for our clients and for our new community. What would you say is something that a seller should do if they want to have no surprises during the inspection period? And how long is not it a typical inspection period? Yeah. So typically in the state of Florida, your inspection period is negotiated. I've seen it as low as one day and as high as 30 days. Our sweet spot, which we suggest is seven to 10 days. Inspectors in South Florida, you could typically call one up and have them come to the property within one or two days from the time you call them. So having an inspection period that lasts so long really doesn't benefit anybody. So we highly, highly suggest doing seven to 10 days. And then one of the things that we recommend to our sellers is Hey, 
if you've owned the property for a while, there may be things going on in your property that you're not even aware of. And even if you haven't owned it for a while, let's say you just purchased it and you're looking to flip the property, but you don't want any surprises during inspection period. We recommend to actually hire an inspector, come out to the property, costs about $500, a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the company, and they will give you an inspection report. We had a client do this in the past, and they found out that they had mold in the house that they weren't aware of. Now, in South Florida, every property has a little element of mold. It's impossible with the amount of humidity that we have here. There is mold in every property, but don't get worried. There are different degrees on how much mold is safe and where it gets to a not safe level. So when you do your inspection, they will give you a report. They will test for mold and they'll let you know what the degrees of mold you have in your property. At that point, if you do have high degree of mold, we always suggest of having a mold remediation company and remove that prior to listing. And so as an agent, what is something a seller can do to really help to get their property sold? What is one detail? So as an agent, one of the big things that we bring to the table is we are able to have the most eyes see your property. We deal with lots of uh, clients that try initially to do for sale by owner. I already know when I hear for sale by owner, that means you're getting hundreds, if not thousands of calls to your personal cell phone from other real estate agents that maybe they don't have any listings of their own. And this is their way of trying to get listings. They call all the for sale by owners and they try to explain to them why they should list their property with them. You're definitely um, bombarded. I mean, you, a lot of real estate consultants, this is a selling model of they follow for sale by owners as well as expired listings as well. Correct. But to get back to having the most amount of eyes on your property, when you sell for sale by owner, okay, maybe you put it up on a couple of third party sites, but you're really not getting a lot of buyers seeing your property. Also, it does not show to a buyer that the seller is serious in selling their property. If I was looking to change the oil of, of my car, I typically will take it to a mechanic to change that oil. I wouldn't do it myself, even though there are plenty of people that do it themselves. That's just not me. So we always recommend having a professional handle your property. So one of the things that we would do is we would list it on the MLS. On the MLS, that goes out to multiple third-party sites. So you don't have to individually upload to each one. It goes on to multiple sites and it goes on to if that real estate agent has a brokerage or their own website, it goes onto that brokerage website, which also gives you exposure, not just nationally, but internationally as well. These large brokerages pay extreme amount of money on uh, pay-per-click ads, and this helps buyers find your property online. Also, so we have a lot of new developments in South Florida, and we've had many conversations with, you know, investors who are building these properties as spec homes. Why would somebody who's building a spec home, should they hire a real estate agent rather than selling it direct? It, it, it is having the most amount of eyes on your property, as well as taking care of all the minutiae that comes with selling your property. If a developer wants to get hundreds of phone calls every day, set up all these different showings, they really can't get to what their brand butter is, which is focusing on the property and developing it to the best of their ability. Yeah, another thing I always uh, speak about with people who are building spec homes is that, you know, they have to think about putting it out there into the marketplace, like a stock. You know, the market will speak and that if they only 
see one or two people direct and then take their first offer, one, they don't have somebody watching their back end of the deal. You know, if you're a lawyer and you get into a lawsuit, usually you should seek outside counsel and the same should go for even if you're in real estate and you're a developer and you're, you know, creating a spec home, you want an agent, someone who's in the business protecting your side of the bargain, right? It's all a negotiation. And that if a person doesn't have representation, immediately when this, you know, the buyer's agent walks in, they feel that they have the stronghold in the conversation. Well, one of the other things as well is for us, we've got a number of listings. And so what we do and we tell all of our sellers is that not only are we going to bring our clients to your listing, but we're going to bring it to other people's listing as well and vice versa. If we have somebody that's looking for a certain type of property and they request it on one of our listings, but we have another listing that's very similar in the similar price range, same amount of bedrooms, bathrooms that they're looking for, we will tell them during that listing, hey, this is a beautiful property. And if you would like to see another one, we have another property for you. So what that does is it allows more people to come through that property and see them and give you a higher percentage of a chance of somebody putting in an offer to purchase your property. So South Florida is filled with a lot of condos, condominiums. Can you speak about the new law that has taken place since the Champlain Towers. Yes. So there's a new bill that got passed in the state of Florida uh, that is requiring all condos to have a fully funded reserve account by, I believe, the start of 2025. And so what that will do is in order for a condo to have a fully funded reserve account, they'll have to do one of two things. Either they're going to raise the monthly maintenance or HOA fee or they're going to put an assessment in to be able to bring in that funds. Uh, So it's something that's very important, especially now if you're looking at list your condo, to know, hey, I'm going to have these expenses coming up shortly. If I'm really serious in selling, I might as well price it correctly in order to sell faster. We've had situations where somebody tried pricing it way over what market rate was. And we ended up having that listing for a very long time and constantly had to do price breaks and price breaks and reductions. You know, when you price it so high over what the market rate is, buyers tend to not feel that that seller is a real seller. And so that's why pricing is very, very important. Speaking of assessments, what is a way that a potential seller can help to motivate a buyer to purchase their unit over another unit in the same building? Yep. So the seller always has the option of paying that assessment in full prior to the closing. So, for example, if you're looking to buy a million dollar condo, but you already heard that there's a hundred thousand dollar assessment that just began or will be starting before the time of closing, that's always something that could be negotiated where the seller says, hey, look, this is our price. However, we will cover what that assessment is. So you are saving essentially $100,000 off the price by us paying for it in advance. So assume you're finally ready to sell your property. How quickly could you get it on the MLS? So for us, typically it takes us one to two days to get our photographer out to be able to take all the pictures, videography. And then from there, there's an additional two to three days to be able to get the finished product. Once we have the finished product, we're able to list it within a day. So I would say typically it takes about 
a week in order to, from the time that we get this signed listing agreement to the time that is listed on the MLS. However, there are plenty of times that we've done it in three to four days. So speaking about agents, what is a way that a person can decide on who is the right agent to sell their property? One, I would always recommend interviewing multiple agents. I would say two to three agents would be the special number. If you do more than that, it's going to get overwhelming. If you do under that, what options are out there? I would say researching the top agents in the neighborhood, neighborhood specific. So the second thing that I would look at is who has done a lot of business in that area. If it's a condo, who has done a lot of business in that condo, if it's a small town, who's done a lot of business in that small town. The reason why we say that is typically if somebody's done a good amount of business in that area, they know what the rumors are. They understand what's coming up right now. For example, with us, we've done a lot of business in a certain building. And then when somebody was looking to list their property, we explained to them what other properties were currently in contract and what price they were in contract because of our network and our relationships. We knew that information. Um, And the second thing we were able to say, look, based off of how many units are for sale in that building, this is where we believe the sweet spot for your pricing should lie. Right. I totally agree. I think it matters about the agent that has had business in that area, but because so many people have moved down here and we have so many new agents, including myself, I would also include that an agent that lives in the area as well, because they will know the ins and outs. They, you know, maybe not have sold in the past homes in that area because they may have recently moved to that area, but either having experience in a neighborhood or having that agent actually live in the neighborhood are probably two key details that are important when trying to decide what's the right agent for your property. As well as finding somebody that you could relate to, somebody that you trust. We have different type of clients. Some clients are completely hands off and they don't want to deal with anything other than signing when they're told that they need to sign to sell something. Or we have other clients that are very needy and want their hand held throughout the entire process. They want daily calls. What is a typical commission split in South Florida for agents? Okay, in the state of Florida, commission splits. This is already discussed when the seller signs a uh, list agreement with a real estate agent. The typical commission split is 6% and that is split between the selling agent as well as the listing agent. So it's 3%. So 3% per side. If the agent does both sides, typically they will receive that full 6% in there. With rentals, it works a little bit differently. Typically it would be either one month's rent or it would be the uh, 10% of the gross amount of the rental. So let's say it was a six month rental, it would be 10% of the six months of rent. And then that would be divided in half between the two sides of agents. Now, South Florida is a more unique market where there's a ton of brokerages out there. And of course, a ton of real estate agents. What is the difference when someone is choosing between brokerages of something that is a hyper-local brokerage versus a nationally known brokerage? Well, I think it comes back down to figuring out who the agent is that you want representing your property. So the larger brokerages offer 
a lot more than some of the smaller brokerages to help assist their agents. Some of the things that they offer would be assistance in marketing, exposure online. They have AI marketing online, which uh, captures the buyers that are looking in a specific area, just to name a few. So you've had experience in both a more mom and pop local brokerage as well as a larger brokerage. We are currently with Corcoran. So how has your experience been as an agent in terms of getting the right buyers for your properties? Yes. So uh, I started off at M. Kotler Realty in Surfside, Florida. I love them. They were great, very very nice and loving family brokerage. I moved over to Corcoran right down the street, which has uh, been a great experience as well. Uh, they were uh, founded by Barbara Corcoran in New York City, and they are one of the largest, if not the largest brokerages in Manhattan. How the two have assisted me was in different ways. When I was starting off, I needed a little bit more handholding. There was an agent, his name is Eric Broad, who's the broker there. We that love Eric. We love Eric. And he really helped and assisted me with any questions that I had. Thank God I'm a quick learner. So there weren't too many questions. Now that I'm at Corcoran, they really give me the ability to take a property, a listing that I have, and get the most exposure possible. Corcoran has been seen nationally and internationally uh, we have, I think, one of the new our new offices are in Italy, possibly. And so there's a lot of different buyers all around the world that come to Miami looking to either make an investment in Miami or actually move here permanently full time. And I think the larger brokerages help get those clients to our listings. Yeah, I think because South Florida is such an international city that it's important as a seller to think about that of who is going to be your potential buyer. And your potential buyer is not just somebody local. It's not just somebody in the USA. It really could be somebody from South America, from Asia, from Europe, that there's many options and there's a bigger pool of buyers possibly for the South Florida market compared to maybe some other cities in the U.S. So I think it's definitely a key differentiator when thinking about selling your property, not to sell yourself short and only, you know, maybe partnering up with a local mom and pop brand. One, I think the larger companies can help you maybe get a higher price for your property because of the marketing that goes involved, that's involved in it and the exposure as well. Absolutely. And speaking of our South American clientele, they're a bit happy because this past week, we got a superstar that is moving down to Miami, Lionel Messi. <laughs> that too will bring a lot of buyers that are going to want to be in Miami to feel like they are a part of this uh, historic uh, move to the United States. Yeah. Exciting times. Yes. So thank you so much for tuning in this week, speaking about the selling process. If you have any questions, please send us a message. Absolutely. If you have any questions, you can always uh, DM us at Zypherburger Team on Instagram or email us at ZypherBurgerTeam at Corcoran.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Move to Miami, Real Estate, Lifestyle, Family. Subscribe to our podcast at Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 